0: Hey guys, before we uh listen into uh today's episode, I uh, just want to say uh from Caleb and myself, thank you for um listening um every week. Um you know, uh <laughs> bearing with us um through some of the uh technical issues we've been having. Um we're going to be trying a couple of different things in the next couple of weeks to uh, uh fix these issues. Um but yeah, I just want to say thank you um, for listening. Um, this week's episode uh, it was it was really 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 good episode. Um, you know, we got questioned um, at the end uh, by Alex, uh, which which was a first, but it was also really good. Um, I didn't do a lot of editing on this episode. Um, I left a lot of the imperfections in um, just so you guys can kind of you know be with come along with us on this journey um, and, and see our growth. Um, my daughter uh, does crash this party early um, <laughs> so I uh, hope you enjoy that. Uh, my wife also is disrespectful as well um, so um, again we're, you know we're just we're learning through this and, and, and trying to do our best to put uh, great content but also to uh, keep the imperfections in also so you can see that it's not all rosy um so i just want to say thank you and if you guys can and if you guys can go and leave a a review for us um you know let us know uh, you know give us feedback or, or or whatever um you know we're just trying to provide as much value as as we can um thank you and enjoy this this week's episode great
1: morning everybody Great morning. Caleb, how you doing, man? Doing good, Coop. Are you home right now?
2: I'm running around trying to find a set of headphones real quick.
1: Love it. Love it. Po- podcast start. We're still getting ready. It's all good. It's all good. How, Coop's got me up before the sun, so <laughs> sometimes I'm scrambling. How, how uh, How's your week been? or last week I should say. Uh everything's good.
2: Everything, I mean I I think I told you that the month prior I was just kind of a crazy one but usually valleys lead to peaks.
1: Mm. mm. Love it. What about you? Love it. Oh, it, it's good, man. It's good. It's you know I I feel like this month is going to be uh it's going to be a great month, man. I feel like the stars Start. are lining up. Um, so yeah, man, just making sure I execute on a couple of things and 2020 has been a great year, man. I don't know. I don't know about you, but
2: it's definitely, I, I think of the word sobering and that's oh, yeah. not, it's not in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you think of the word sobering, I mean, your mind is clear. You can it's... see. What you need to do. So I yeah, I think it's I think it's been a great year. Oh, Sorry yeah. for anybody who has had a tough one, but
1: Yeah, we yeah, we apologize if you've had a tough twenty twenty, you know. Um you know, but you know, but it's it's all how you look at it, you know. Um you know, you either you either what is it, you either win or you you fail or, or learn. You win or win you or win or learn. Yep. You know? So um just all about seeing seeing opportunity in different uh in different ways. I, I read a quote yesterday. Uh it said recession is opportunity in wolf's clothing. Mm. I was like I'm not saying we're in a recession or headed, I'm just it just was fitting, you know, for for the time. So
2: it's been uh, like a mini recession or like a a niche recession, right? Like certain oh. niches really got hit.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. But it, it all depends too, like how much value value you bring. You know, I mean, if you're someone that brings a ton of value, um, you did you did pretty good, I think. Still, you know, like if if you have something that people need or can't live without, um, you still did pretty well. You know, um, yeah. because, again, it's just how you look at it. So. All right, man, let's uh, let's bring in our guest. You want to say something? Mm-hmm. Can you say hi? Hi, Caleb. Hey, what's up, Bray? Good. She totally crashed. I'm sorry, guys. All right, are we, are we good? No, kiss. Okay, kiss. Yep, mm-hmm. love you. Hug. Hug? All right, love you. Okay, let's bring in our guest. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Caleb, bring in our guest today.
2: Hey, good morning. Um, Today on Shipbuilding with Cooper and Caleb, good friend of mine, um, fellow NDSU alum, uh, real estate guru. Today's guest is Alex Zickman. Hey guys, happy to be here. Thanks for your time, Alex. Uh, We we appreciate you being willing to share some wisdom with us. Um, And the first question we usually ask our guests is, you know, just kind of Tell us a little bit about more about yourself and maybe why you do it. Definitely. Um, well, I got three
3: siblings. I'm the oldest of four. I uh, grew up in Fargo, North Dakota and Aberdeen, South Dakota. Um, went back to Fargo for school at NDSU and got a civil engineering degree. Um, did a couple of years with civil engineering um, and then kind of started a journey that brought me to where I am today with uh, initially buying a house right after school. Um, got some roommates to help pay the rent in the house and started thinking I can make money while I'm sleeping. There are mm. other ways I can do that and uh, kind of evolved from there.
0: Mm.
2: Did you know what house hacking was when you bought your first house and decided to get roommates or were yeah. you just naturally smart? <laughs> what? Well, I- I think uh, no to both. (laughs) Uh,
3: No, I think uh, it was just kind of a natural thing. I bought a three-bedroom house and, you know, in college, it's like you got at least one to a bedroom, you know, I had, we had two to a bedroom in college and I'm like, well, I got a three-bedroom house and there's one of me, I'm I'm missing at least two other people. So I, uh, I found two other guys and it was more fun
1: too that way and they
3: helped pay the rent and, you know, things just evolved from there.
1: So let's, um, Alex, let's talk about the, the um, evolving process. So you you get this house, you get these roommates, and then, and then you said it kind of, you started to evolve. Can you just explain then, like, what was the next step in your, in your progression?
3: Sure. So I was fortunate kind of, you know, having an engineering uh, job right out of school, being single, Um, And then having people help pay rent, there was, I was starting to think of, you know, is there something that I want to do to invest? What do I want to do? Am I just going to do the IRA route, you know, the 401k route, or do I want to try to do something else? And I've always kind of had a a desire to try a business and this thing sitting in the back of my head is I'm making money while I sleep with my roommates. And is there a way that I could do more of this? And, you know, talking with some coworkers, other engineers, also, you know, really intelligent people there was one in particular that had the same interest and I've been looking at doing that for a couple of years. So we got to talking and, you know, a couple of months of talking around, eventually we found a house that we liked and we bought our first property, um, which was extremely scary, (laughs) extremely scary. (laughs) Um, But from there we, that was our first one. Um, We kind of ran a conservative pro forma and we actually blew that out of the water and still our best purchase to date. And we were fortunate on that. And from there we just, Second one was way easier than the first one and kept growing.
2: Two questions. What do you say to people who are looking for somebody like to partner with? And then when you throw around the word pro forma, I mean, what is, what does that word mean to you?
3: Uh, well, pro forma first, I guess that's kind of what I, that's my niche. That's what I like to do. Um, to me, it's just a, it's a fancy word that just, puts together a prediction of how you think the investment's going to do. So like to me, a real estate pro forma is what's it going to cost to purchase the property? What's my mortgage payment going to be on a monthly basis? What's my rent need to be on a monthly basis to cover that? Plus the maintenance costs and insurance and taxes and how much can I make? And is that worth my time? Hmm. Um, Hmm. So, yeah, but uh, it gets, I, I love putting that together. That's if we get down the road, I've kind of, outsource that a little bit
2: um too. And and back to my original. So you you have a house that's going well, your cash flow and your you know, you you have that horizontal money, you know, you're getting money while you sleep.
0: Yeah.
2: And then uh you meet somebody and you have similar interests and you decide, okay, let's try to scale this. What was it like vetting a partner? That
3: that's a good question. Um It was a kind of a natural fit that I think people ask all the time if I would still go back and get my engineering degree if I could start over. Because I don't do anything really within civil engineering anymore. And I always say yes, because it put me in touch with some highly intelligent people, very technical people that were Mm -hmm. of similar mindsets to me. And I found some great partners and some great friends in the couple of years that I did that. Um, To me, there's it's like finding a a spouse. I think it's going to be different for everyone. And you got to have some commonalities, but you also got to have some key differences too. Um, You know, for us, for example, Zach is my partner's name. He, right off the bat, he was the first partner. We were of a similar mindset on kind of our conservative financially, like we weren't willing to take huge risks, but we were willing to take a risk to, to do the business. And we played each other's strengths as well. You know, what he was good at, he had, he was better at soft skills that kind of stuff. I was more of the finances, spreadsheets kind of guy. So we, we kind of played off each other well that way too.
0: Mm.
1: Can you, can you just touch on a little bit, Alex, you said, um, when you got out of college, you started to think of ways of um, how to invest. Uh, can you just like, where did that thought come from? Like, how do you even start thinking about that? I feel like when people get out of, school investing is like the last thing They're
2: trying to spend that check.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so like what why did Alex start thinking about that after uh graduation?
3: Well, I guess I was always uh frugal, I guess would be a nice word to say. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I I was never looking to like spending money is not something I enjoy. Um <laughs> So I guess for me, it was always just a knack that if there was anything left over, what 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 can I do with it? And for me, being a guy that likes performance, you know, I was looking at real estate, looking at different things, and I would see a, a rate of return. And, you know, you'd have your IRA or 401k and look at that. And I could see that, well, this potentially could do significantly better. And, you know, when real estate did that, you keep looking at that, you keep tweaking it, you look at your best case and worst case scenarios. It was like, I think this is worth a
1: shot. Do you, do, you, do you still have your 401k? If you don't mind me asking.
3: I do. Um, okay, I, I do. And that's a, that's been a delicate balance now. Of I ask myself that all the time of, of do you continue to invest? Do you go one way or the other? For me, it was a matter of I I stopped the 401k IRA side. I didn't liquidate, but I stopped and put it all towards real estate. And for me, that's just where I'm at now. And I don't anticipate that to be the case forever, but it is where I'm at right now.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. let's let's go more into your story um you you got you got the single family house i'm not sure if you still own that and then you purchased a property with your partner um what was that property and then and then what happened next sure so
3: that was in 2016 we bought our first one 17 when we bought our second one um 18 we bought our third one so we did about one a year what was mm-hmm. cool about that third one, it was finally the first one that we were able to buy without putting additional personal money in. And that was kind of a cool thing where you saw the snowball effect where we weren't taking distributions from the company. The first, two, the first one we had to buy with our own money invested in. But then without taking distributions, we were able to, between equity appreciation in the property and some of the cash flows from that property, we were able to buy the third one. And that was pretty cool. And we started to see, hey, this thing's starting to work. It's starting to roll. And from there, we um, we ended up getting four single families, um, if we fast forward a little bit. And then earlier this year, we actually had a third partner join, my brother. Um, and he brought two properties, so we had six single families. And in September, actually, we just closed on a 12-plex. So that was our first foray into multifamily. And that's been a, a fun game to play.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Totally. Before Coop so, gets excited, because I know oh, he's you, excited right now. You, you already know. Man. Uh, I love the real estate, man. <laughs> when when you said uh, you said you bought the third property for the first time, you didn't have to use any of your own money, and you like I know exactly what you're talking about. But can you explain when you say we use equity and appreciation, and you know obviously cash flow, which is some, but where'd that equity and appreciation come from, and and how did you access it? That's what a lot of people have no idea about. Sure. Um, That was definitely a – So well, two parts there. Where
3: did it come from? First, it came from um, we got a better deal than expected. It was a little bit of luck on that very first house that we bought. Um, It was advertised actually as a three-bed, one-bath, and in reality it was a five-bed, two-bath. They didn't count the bed and bath in the basement. And the listing realtor had listed the price at that price.
0: So when we bought it,
3: it was – like on the market only for a few days. And I can't imagine that, I imagine that we were probably one of the first people to actually get into that house. Um, And we put an offer in almost immediately because we saw it was misrepresented. Um, So a little bit of fortunate, good luck there too. But we also had put ourselves out there and looked at several properties. So, uh, you know, you kind of make your own luck a little bit in that, but
2: sure.
1: So my, hello.
2: might've lost Alex. Oh, am I there? No, here, you're here. So okay. uh, you had just said, I'm oh, going to tee you up so you can keep going. You had just said, um, you, you make your own luck when it comes to, you know, doing those showings and just finding the deal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. So
3: essentially what happened then is we, we kind of made our own luck. We got a good property. We got it for underpriced. So after, you know, two or three years now, we're looking to buy that third property. Well, we have some available capital to access that house is worth, you know, 20, 30 grand more than what we paid for it. So we were able to get a home equity line of credit or a HELOC, um, Mm -hmm. several different banks to find out what would be the best terms. And we ended up finding a bank that was willing to work with us, willing to go up to an 80% willing to value on it. Um, And because of that, that was a good portion of the funds we were able to use by pulling that out to purchase mm. the third property. Mm. But I bet we talked to half a dozen banks to find that.
2: And that takes time. And not everybody, not everybody is willing to spend the time to do that. Agreed. Um,
3: again, I can, that came down to, that's kind of what I like to do is, is find the best scenario on the financing side and, and play with those things. Cause small differences can make or small changes can make big differences. You know an eighth of a point on an interest rate on a big mm-hmm. dollar loan is it's pretty cool to see the the changes long term yeah
2: okay coop i know you're excited
1: no i'm i'm just i'm patient i'm i'm waiting i'm waiting i'm finished um, so, now. i'm finished so, <laughs> so alex you you um we were just talking about you and uh your partners just bought a twelve uh twelve unit this year um can you just talk about You know, like just what the process was, you know, and then if if you can just talk about like when COVID hit, like if you guys were still looking, if there was fear with purchasing a 12 unit during the COVID, if you could just talk about uh, those things.
3: Sure. So this, the 12plex was actually, we've been negotiating with the seller for, it was pretty close to a year. Um, we closed Ooh. in September. I think it was last September that we started talking with the seller. Um, initially, it was an off-market deal, um, and it just wasn't working out. We were trying to figure out something creative to do some seller financing. Um, she really wasn't interested in in that side, so she ended up listing it. Um, we were okay, willing to walk away. Um, she listed it. Um, about nine months go by. Um, she gets an offer. It falls through. Um, she ends up lowering it I think by over $100,000 over the 12 months, and we come back to the table then in, in February, right before COVID hit. Very interested in it. That was right after the price drop. Um, we're close to putting an offer in, but then COVID hit, so we we hadn't put an offer in yet at that point, and we weren't quite comfortable in March to do that. So we kind of just sat on the sidelines, waited for about three months, and then come June we kind of renegotiated again, and we were able to come to a, a a pretty tense meeting that ended up having all of us to sit down in one room. Um and we kind of put the realtors aside. <laughs> no offense, Caleb, and had faith taken. None taken. Um and we were able to get to an agreement on on that. And you know, long story short, it, it worked out. We got some creative financing, um, not from the seller, but the bank was willing to work with us that we found and it has been good so far. It's, it's like that first house all over again though, where there's some unique complexities with multifamily that you don't deal with that you kind of have to, you, you figure out as you go a little bit.
2: This is the building a little bit older too?
3: 80s. Um, but yeah, a lot of the stuff hasn't been renovated um, in a sure. couple of years. So there's, yeah. And we kind of factor that into our price um, as well. But yeah, there's definitely going to be some updates.
1: So why, so why <clears throat> Alex, if you can just talk about why um, you need to go from, <laughs> single family to now into Mm, um, multifamily can you just explain like what the thought process was in in making that type of transition
2: to learn
3: really that was the number one reason you know everyone you you read all these forms online you see pros and cons of single family versus multifamily we wanted to try it out for ourselves um i will say from a percentage standpoint it, it is difficult to beat Single family college rentals. That's what most of our single families are uh, from a percentage standpoint, as far as a, a rate of return on your money. Yeah. However, what the multifamily provided us was the ability to put more capital into a single building and get more cash flow out of it. So our percentages are a little bit lower, but we're able to do it at a slightly larger volume. Mm-hmm. So instead of buying three single family homes, we bought one property.
1: Yep. And then when you, and then like, when you go to sell it, you're selling one property instead of 12 different properties.
3: Right. And from, there's also this thing in the back of our our heads that we try not to let play a role in our decisions, but we're also self-managing. In the last couple of years, we've tried to not go to the properties and we, which is phone calls, but we're still self-managing to a degree. And I think Caleb, you do this too. And Part of that is just to buy three more single family homes and to have to deal with the management side of that was starting to wear on us. Um, we're trying to get to a scale where we can hire a full-time person to be that property management manager in-house. But until we get there, we're going to have to continue to do this. So what the 12plex offered us was the ability to do a little bit more scale with a little less property management.
0: Yep.
2: Yep. That's a hundred percent true. And it's funny. i the the bigger property manager players that i know in the twin cities area is they all started out as investors and you know decided well i want to hire somebody in order to do that i need to start a company and i need to recruit other landlords and let me manage theirs as well um just so that they could you know scale quicker uh alex you had mentioned that you wanted to do multifamily because you wanted to learn about it and hear about it Um, with the last, you know, two, three, four years in the Airbnb craze. Have you guys ever, your group talked, thought about doing anything like that? We have, especially in warmer climates. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Totally.
3: The, I think that it primarily comes down to that management thing again. Um, Mm. To me, it, I think it's again. It can be hugely profitable. Um, Part of it is the markets. You know, we're we're in Grand Forks and Fargo, North Dakota. Is our two markets, and I'm sure there is an Airbnb market for them. They're just they're smaller areas. Yep. Um, So that's part of it, but also just the management of it. Um, Trying to get the most bang for a buck for our management hour of our time is is where we're at right now.
2: Have you guys? has that become a focus? I'll answer your question in a moment. Has that become a focus? um, Because it is your, you know, one of your largest expense line items, like what's got you guys stuck on that number as the low hanging fruit. As far as the, the management hour number. Yes. Yeah. Like what's, what, why, why has that become your focus or is it primarily just because it's the large, it's the largest. It's less of a financial thing and more just,
3: for us, the value of our time is something that we've made very intentional to, to, to consider what is an hour of our time worth, and to be very intentional about what we're spending that on. Um, and our goal really is to right now is to get to the point where we can hire someone to do full time property management for us. And, hmm. and I guess that's why we focused on it is is really we're just trying to this we're, we want this to be a passive income stream. Yep. In order to achieve that then that you really need to make it passive which in our opinion is is to create a high value for our personal time.
2: Yeah, I always laugh when people say they want passive income and they're just, you know, they're going to get one property and it's, you know, some months yeah, it might be very passive. But then there's other months, whether it's a, a leaky toilet or turning over a unit and finding a new tenant, it, it's the it's the furthest thing from passive if you're already you know working a forty or fifty hour job. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, it totally, you totally can. Um, yeah, coop, you got anything? You you were go- you were going to answer his question? Oh, Airbnb. Um, me personally, so. As, as those of you know, I, I am a real estate agent and I I invest as well. And so you get asked these questions all the time. And I think the Super Bowl was in the Twin Cities in 2018. Is that correct? Yes. I, 2018 I believe, maybe. Let's, yeah. just, let's just say that's when it was. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I think Airbnb had become pretty popular in like 2016, 2017. So Super Bowl is coming around and everybody and their brother is asking me about Airbnb and this, this, and that. And I didn't know anything about it. I knew nothing about it. So, and I didn't, I didn't like that as I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be the the local real estate expert that people come to. Right. So um, I made a sweet deal with my wife, Alex, and (laughs) we used my house as an experimental, Hey, we're going to Airbnb it. And we did some where it was the whole house. We did some where it was, we were still in the house. I think we had like seven guests for a period, maybe a month before and a month after the Super Bowl, just to kind of learn Airbnb and, 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 and learn the market. And we realized that while we liked house hacking, we didn't necessarily like the extra upkeep in dealing with having you know, constantly turning over a unit, right. With, with tenants. And that's in a place that we were living. Um, but we too have thought, you know, should we get the place in Florida and find the cleaner? Cause that's pretty much all you need um, with technology is just the someone to come in and clean and maybe restock the amenities. So I, we did it for a while just to learn it. Uh, met some cool people from around the world actually. Um, but we, it just, it the juice wasn't worth the squeeze for us here yeah coop what you got i
1: i, I haven't i haven't really experimented with airbnb um you're a hotel been, guy yeah i'm a hotel guy <laughs> <laughs> i know i know i've been um there's a guy called brian page and he started this like he's he's an Airbnb guy, but how he's what he does is he um, he just is leaders on team want to give you you
0: can be
3: doing
1: Hello? Okay, hang on. Hey, what's one up, Coop? Here. Sorry. Okay. Um no, I was I was talking about one second guys, let me just we'll pause here. You're okay. Okay, sounds good. I'm I'm, Coop, good. You all right, I'm brother? Good. Just one one second here. My wife. Usually, this
2: is growing up, man. You're stealing my shine. Alex, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I've I've heard of people who will sign 12 months leases for condos and stuff like that. And then they'll sublet with Airbnbs.
3: See, that's what you bring up. Crazy to me. But that's to me, that's a point too that we didn't talk about, but is there's this whole regulatory environment that what's the sustainability of a short term rental? And there's a couple mm. of zones that introduce a little bit more risk to your business model that I guess we're
2: just not ready to entertain yet. Yeah, that the, the regulatory issues, you know, for example. I sold some clients a house in Ham Lake and they were running a really successful you me? Airbnb out of it. Okay, I'm Yeah, sorry, we can guys. hear you. I'm
1: so sorry. Man. We're good? Okay. Uh, that's the, that's uh, Coop's <laughs> first time, Alex. Just, uh, well, well, Just so you know, you never like editing. There'll be some editing going <laughs> uh,
2: I on. I got a quick Ham Lake story in, in regards to Airbnb, Coop. Um, I had some friends who bought a house in Ham Lake really nice house. Like I think it was like five, $600,000 property up there. And the only reason the owners were selling is they were running a really successful Airbnb out of the home. Um, it was like seven beds, five baths, hot tub, like real, just cool place. But the neighborhood hated it and fought with the city and got the city to put up a new policy um some sort of regulation and they voted it past that you know no short term rentals. Right. And there they were with a phenomenal I think they were mm-hmm. I mean they were probably cash flowing an insane amount of money every month let's call it $10,000 down to zero. And you know they have this property with a high amount of debt. So you bring up a good point Alex the the Airbnb risks uh with regulations. Well that's also
3: like you just those types of homes that usually are home runs on the Airbnb market? Those are usually like large bed, bath homes, right?
2: So yeah, it's it's phenomenal locations or you know seven bed, six right. bath luxury. So if you, those are
3: typically a high debt
2: load, and you need a high rent. And I would,
3: in in my experience, and I haven't dealt with it much, but you need a relatively high rental income to get that to cash flow. And you can do mm-hmm. that with short term rentals on Airbnb, but if they take that away from you, I don't know that you're going to be able to achieve that in the long term rental. Right. So so
0: right.
1: um the the guy I was talking about Brian Page, so what he does is he takes the same Airbnb concept, but he goes to landlords, and like if a landlord has like a vacant uh place
2: interesting he he yeah. talks with
1: the landlord, they work out a deal where you pay the rent you know you pay the rent and then you airbnb it out. So then whatever extra you get on top of your Airbnb, you keep, you know, and you don't have to take on no debt. You don't have to, like, find a property or, or anything. So that's where – that's the angle he is coming from. And I thought it was pretty neat. I thought that's, like, a new uh, –
2: If it was a month-to-month lease. Right. How long I of a think, lease is it? Exactly. Yeah. If, if if you were just, hey, like, let me try to do this on a monthly basis, you know, I, I, I respect yeah. the hustle. Yeah, I respect so that's hustle. my
1: own, I had, like I said, I haven't done the Airbnb thing. That was like my only, just hearing different people, like how they, how they do the Airbnb. It's, it's an interesting concept though. I, I do like it.
2: So. Alex, let's switch gears. You know, we've, we've heard a little bit about your story. We got the single families, we got the apartments. What, what are you doing to keep yourself motivated to keep yourself going? Do you have mentors or do you, do you read uh, what, what relationships have pushed you things like that
3: yeah um love to read that is um for me like my goal in all of this stuff is is first to learn and, and to second to, to be profitable and serve serve a purpose to someone else so my mm-hmm. goal in starting businesses or in, or running a business right now in my life is to learn and and reading books is another great way to learn um, in my opinion, nothing. We just got a hammock. Actually, nothing beats sitting in a hammock this summer and reading a book. Mm. Um, mm. But uh, no arguments. <laughs> yeah. So the the thing that's also stretched me and caused me to learn is like with Threshold, our, our real estate entity. We don't do payouts, so everything's reinvested. And we're continuing to grow because that's kind of a long-term vehicle for us. So what else has caused me and stretched me to learn is the fact of okay, well, I, I need to have some sort of income. So stuff like that. And, and like you mentioned earlier, how some companies you've talked to have kind of built out their own um, property management company out of what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Well, what,
3: what I've been able to do is kind of build out my own um, basically real estate finance business as a consulting gig um, to a couple other developers here in the Twin Cities area. And uh, that's been able to provide some profitable income while still learning a ton within the real estate industry from people that are several years and decades ahead of me in the business.
2: Can you tell us how you fell into that, Alex? I don't know if I even know this. I fell into it.
3: Well, (laughs) I was, uh, I literally fell into it. That's that's pretty much what it is. I was kind of thinking of, you know, just playing the math and in my head of what I need to live off of from a dollar standpoint, what that would look like different ways to get it. Um, You know, everything from, just going and bartending. Um, at this point, I I had quit my engineering job and I had a couple other sources of small income, but not enough yet to live off of. So I didn't need a ton of money. And I was looking for, you know, a couple grand a month basically to, to pay my bills here and to have some stability. And, you know, I didn't throw, I threw out like bartending. I could do that, you know, gain some soft skills, learn some cool drinks, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I also kind of through reading bo- a lot of business books, I kind of came to this thing of, this idea of how can I, what, what do I like to do? What am I good at? And how can I monetize that? And kind of how that all those three things kind of came together along, around real estate finance and constructing performance for other people. It's something that kind of comes naturally to me, but some other people struggle with it and they have their other strengths. And
1: I've, I've had good luck with it. Man, that's, that's such a key, man, I love that point you know find like find you know a strength that yours, like what you're good at and what others aren't um and we've had a couple people on this podcast that have basically you know they take something they love to do and like you like you said they they found a, a way to monetize it and i just i i just admire admire that people that can take a a hobby or something they like and find a way to make money off of it um i want no. How go what ahead. It, what guy. was it like quitting your job? Ooh, that's a good question.
3: <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> it really was. Um I don't get me wrong. I I had a I really enjoyed my engineering job. I really liked it. Um it was a great company to work for. It was it was really nothing about the company, nothing about the people I worked with. I love the people I work with. I mentioned that earlier. Um it was just I was looking for freedom of time and freedom of movement. And that just it wasn't available in that situation. And actually I, I left my engineering job and went and worked in, in the real estate world for a year for, in La Crosse, Wisconsin for um, a family commercial real estate company, um, family owned. It was, it was fun to learn a lot there too. But the same thing, I kept really desiring freedom of time, freedom of movement. So it was really fun to be able to say, hey, this is my last job. I tried this. I ha- I think I have an idea of what I can do to make myself work, make my finances work, and I really enjoyed it. It was fun. It was it was it was risk, but it was also calculated, and uh, it was fun. I kind of viewed it as a game, and, and and really look forward to the next step.
1: Man, Alex, you're saying a, a lot a lot of things that um, I only I've been studying billionaires, and like a lot of the things you're saying is like crazy like you know you know i'm not saying you're saying it's a game but like a lot of the big players that's how they view money or or what they do they enjoy what they do so it's like a game for them um and so
2: it makes me think of warren buffett he just it's literally a game for mr buffett yeah you
1: know and
3: i would argue that i'm guessing when they say game and at least when i say a game i don't mean to make that be lighthearted at all i am Extremely competitive, and a board game is not meant to be taken lightly. You,
1: you know, you're supposed to win. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's a, you know, exactly because like a lot of these guys like you know competition like business is like the ultimate competition, right? Like how are you how are you able totally. to run your business better than the other company? You know, so like no, I just I just love everything you're you're saying. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask. Thank you. Um, you said when when you first started talking about your story that uh, when you and your partner bought the first house you were terrified can you just talk about like what it was like you know the fear how how'd you guys deal with that and and overcome it and the second part is i'm sure there is still some fear you know when you are buying a property or you go from single family to like a 12 unit now um if you can just talk about (laughs) what you're doing to deal with fear now when it when it comes up
3: yeah, that first house was we I I fear to that degree, um, business wise. Every house happened way easier. But how did we get over it? I would say two things really come to mind right off the bat. First is I had a partner. So you're not laying in bed wondering if you missed something at night when you're trying to fall asleep, you know. If you did miss something, that means somebody else missed it too. And there's
2: just there's yeah. cost. Yeah, it has somebody in the foxhole.
3: Yeah. You. So that was, that's big. Um, a second thing is we had our exit strategy. So what was our worst-case scenario? Our worst-case scenario is we can't get this thing rented. We had enough um, cash, and we were ready to kind of see this thing through for three to six months and give it a shot. And like I said, we had gotten a good deal on this first house, and we knew we could sell it. And worst-case scenario, maybe we lose ten grand on it. And we're okay with that. That was a $10,000 education
2: mm-hmm. um, tuition bill.
3: So yeah, we were, we were okay with that. And that was the worst case scenario. So, you know, that allowed us to sleep at night. We know we had insurance. So, I mean, if this thing burns down, we're fine. Really the worst case scenario was we can't rent it. We got to sell six months later and you take a loss. Um, even if you sell it for exactly what you paid for it, which we knew we could, cause we got a good deal on it. You know, you got to pay commissions. Realtors got to eat too. <laughs> <A little> bit. <laughs> so we were prepared for that I guess I'm a very uh, logical as opposed to emotional person um, my fiance mentions that time to time but uh, my, I was able to kind of think my way through it and those are the two things that came to mind
2: What's what scares you now Alex I mean or, or are you just you? you've done it enough times now where it's just nope I just it's yes or no this is a good deal or not
3: um on the ownership side, like in the companies, um, honestly, what scares me is not living up to our potential. Um, Mm. so it's, it's more so are we doing everything we can to be where we need to be right now? So it's, it's less of buying the next property, but more of, are we taking enough risks to, to continue to grow as fast as we can to continue to serve as many people as we can? Um, I guess we got some long-term goals we want to hit. And I want to make sure that we're setting those aggressively enough and hitting those. Um, but like on the consulting side, it scares me in the sense of, I don't want to make mistakes and and put a performer together that would potentially, um, lead my client astray. Um, and perhaps he should have done a different deal because I'm messed up somewhere. And that, that scares me on that sense.
2: Sure. Sure. I've, I've dealt with some of that too. Um, to bring it back to your story, I cannot. I, I'm like, give me a true or false here. So, you have your houses, you got the apartment, you, you started a new little niche in the Twin Cities here of becoming a real estate consultant. True or false? You got one of your first clients off of Craigslist. <laughs> yep. True.
1: <laughs> Coop, ask him, ask him the questions. Let's go. How? Like how – so what was that like finding your – Who uses
3: Craigslist anymore? You know, I, <laughs> there's so much to this Craigslist conversation. I think you guys had uh, Jake Zickman and Jake Keeper on from Double Jack a couple weeks ago. I listened to that podcast. That was well done. Um, but I'm, I'm with Double Jack with them a little – I handle the business side with them, and uh, they hate that we advertise on Craigslist as well. <laughs> um because them being architects they're very fluffy they want these creative-minded people that are are really thinking these crazy things and want to do some crazy they don't
2: things. like 12 by 20 garages right and and not
3: that craigslist doesn't have cra- you know really creative crazy people which they they probably do but on average you know that's not where craigslist is and so how i mean we, i got lucky i guess a little bit again is he threw an advertisement out there and the first legit phone call I got after the seven spam calls was a great client. And we're used to still a client today. And, uh, I love working with him. He's, he's phenomenal. He, I've learned a lot from him. And I think we have a, a great relationship.
2: You made your own luck again,
3: Alex. So I just, it's kind of like that house, you know, some people look at it and it, it can be viewed as that first house. This Craig's call. It was, it was fortunate that we were able to find something like that, but I think it's also putting yourself out there and, you know, you fail enough
1: times you're gonna eventually hit the ball. So Right. Right. Love it. Love it. Alex, so you um a couple of minutes ago you said that you have some um aggressive goals um that you're that you've set that you want to make sure you and your team hit. Can you can we, can you talk about some of, you know, what's next? Like what do you guys got your eyes on?
3: Sure. Um know like one target we have on on threshold the that entity is we're trying to hit 50 percent revenue growth year over year and we've we've been able to hit that for the last five and we're looking to continue to grow um that's kind of a short-term market but um you know to hit two back on when we talked about this is business as a game and and it's it's competitive and it is and it's all those things and 100 percent agree um there's also kind of a For me personally, a a faith aspect to that and and wanting to to serve other people with that too. And there's some fun things that I've envisioned that I want to do with our companies down the road that also kind of fulfill a a service need and kind of a pay it forward type thing that I'm hoping we can get to when we get to a certain scale. So there's kind of a a sense in the back of my head that I want to get big so that we can really
1: do some fun things. Do you see now... Do you what? So, what's the number for you? Like when you say big, or is there? Do you not have a number?
3: Yeah, I guess that's it's kind of an abstract thought for me personally. It's it's as big as we possibly can. You know, I'm hoping fifty percent revenue growth on a graph (laughs) is uh, exponential. So you get bigger.
1: Yeah,
2: doesn't take long for that snowball to get pretty big. I I struggle with uh, getting specific too when it comes to, you know, like let's use like uh, an analogy would be like, Oh, how much money do you need to retire? Right. And it's, is it a million bucks? Is it five? Is it 10? And I think that's something as humans we struggle to grasp just because, you know, we live in such a, you know, here and now, this is what I'm experiencing right now moment. So let's take, Let's take somebody like Warren Buffett, for example. I, I didn't even know what his net worth is. But if I did know it, I wouldn't be able to 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 process it, right? Um, but do you ever – this is – Alex, I'm getting into the weeds a little bit. I mean, how often do you work on making your goals more specific? Well, I – I agree
3: with what you were saying too about Warren Buffett because I wonder if you asked Warren Buffett at 25 what his goal, what long term goal yeah, was. Yeah. If he had 80 yeah. billion or whatever. You know?
2: Right. Yeah, totally.
3: So I, I feel like part of it too is two edged sword that you need to set a goal to to make sure you hit it, but you need to make sure it's aggressive enough that it doesn't serve as a cap. Um, so totally. we we do, we sit down once a year within threshold and we set um, short, mid, and, and long term goals. Typically, that looks like a, like a one, three, five, and you know, a ten plus. Like, where do we want to be in ten plus? Um, that kind of stuff.
2: That's awesome. Do you guys have mentors that you go to that are doing what you want to do?
3: Yes, it's not really as. I guess when I hear the word mentor, you kind of think of a guy that you sit down with once a month, you know, and you have a formal conversation. Sure. For us, it's nothing sure. formal. Um, the biggest mentors for me have been, it was when I was working, it was, it was my bosses um, and sure. owners of the companies that I was working for. And then kind of lately, it's been the clients that I get to work with that, I mean, these guys are, are decades ahead of me dealing with the portfolio that I hope to get to the size one day. And they're going through stuff now that I'm getting to help them go through and learn from that, you know, I hope that I have the opportunity to go through and struggle through and soon. So I would say those are our mentors now, but also we, we also have our, you know, our peer groups and stuff that we bounce ideas off each other and, and how each other's handled things that are kind of in similar stages of life as well. Totally. How about you, Caleb or Cooper, do you guys have like a formal mentor or, or is it more of an informal like
2: that? I I wouldn't say I have a formal one, but similar to you, um, just through my line of work, right? I've gotten to meet individuals who are just, you know, further along than me. Um, Cooper and I had a good friend of mine or mentor of mine, I guess. Maybe it was episode like 15 through 20. Um, Somewhere in there. His name is Tyler Anderson. I think he has, um, I think it's somewhere in somewhere around 125 to 150 units under ownership. And then uh, a lady who has actually brought me she's, she, uh, she's brought me a deal that, um, I own in my group. Um, and she owns like, I think it's high, like a 25 or so single families who, you know, do I meet with on a consistent basis? No. But when I have questions, they're one of the first people I call. Right. Or when I'm, you know, and I, I, I need to work through something with them. Right. Like, Hey, I'm sure you've been in this situation before. Right. Um, so I, I just—it's definitely important to have, to emulate people, and it helps when you know them. But Coop, I don't want to steal your thunder. Oh, no, what do you good. Have?
1: You're good. Um, kind of the same uh, line of thought there. Uh, what Caleb was saying, Alex. Um, I have, you know, two guys, uh, that I know personally. You know, like whenever I have questions, um, you know, how'd you do this or how'd you do that? Um, you know, they they are there you know when i need them um you know i ha- also have a a personality coach um that i meet with um once a month you know we just kind of you know we've shifted more you know how i can use my personality my strengths my weaknesses to my advantage um for this uh for this project that i'm working on um so that that's been good um we had yeah, him on the I think show it was like episode th- 3 or 4 I think. Yeah. Rodney Moore. Interesting. Yeah. So like, that's something that's been big for me. And then um, I'm in um, a men's call once a month with Caleb and two other gentlemen um, and just being able to like bounce ideas, um, talk about our goals, you know, what we're struggling with um, has definitely been a big help for me also. Um, And then I also like, you know, we talk mentors and like coaches. Like I also listen to like different podcasts on guys that are way out my out of my reach. So like Grant Cardone is one of my guys I emulate. Sure. Um. So I got like all his books, all his podcasts, and so I just kind of listen to him, like his mindset, like how he's doing things, how he's thinking, um, and how I can apply some of that to what I'm doing. You know. So yeah, those are some of the things I, I, I do. Alex, do you like Grant Cardone? <laughs> be be honest. It's okay.
2: <laughs> I I well, so before he answers, I mean, part a large part of me thinks that you you do or you will. I honestly, so
3: I'm. I only know Grant Cardone through um, Bigger Pockets. Okay, gotcha. And a couple podcasts I've listened to him on there. Um, so to be honest, I don't know that much about him.
2: Okay. He, I mean, he's all, I mean, you're 50% year over year. I mean, that's GC. I, I, yeah, am he's I wrong, Yeah, in that ballpark. Yeah. He, he just, he wants fast. Well, why aren't we going faster? Mm-hmm. And, and he doesn't listen to people who say slow down, which I, I think is a strength of yours as well.
3: Yeah, it, it, it can be. It's it, it paired with <laughs> the correct partners, it, it is. I got other people that tell me that I'm being stupid and they're, I think that goes back to that partner question that we talked about earlier.
1: Totally. Totally. Love it. Love it. Um, Alex, any, what would, what would you tell your 18 year old self?
3: I guess uh, just to, to trust yourself more a little bit. uh, Sometimes I feel like we overthink things and, starting a business is not as hard as you think mm. like it isn't isn't like I don't know what this might sound odd but and not to sound you know I say with humility but oftentimes what gives me encouragement is is seeing flaws in other businesses and knowing they're successful mm. and saying yeah if I can identify those flaws and if I think I can build a better mousetrap if they're extremely successful, can I have even a fraction of their success in having what I believe is a better mousetrap? Part of that is naive because I don't see the other things that they're doing well. And okay. But, you know, part of it, I think is, is from what I've experienced so far is the, if you're willing to do it and put in the hard work, like you can do it. Like it's not this black box starting a business, especially with the right partners.
2: Mm -hmm. So
3: I would would be a little bit more aggressive, I guess, starting out at 18.
2: 18. And that's one thing we didn't talk about maybe enough on this podcast is, you know, Cooper and I, our podcast is called Shipbuilding, right? Because we believe that building relationships is a huge key to your success. Um, Do you have any personal anecdotes or expounding thoughts on you know, building partnerships and relationships, yeah. and why it's been important yeah. to you.
3: You know what's been amazing is the um, reading business books and doing the business for the few years that I've been in it. Is the the parallels between business and business relationships and your personal life and personal relationships, and how growth in one area very much so compl- complements growth in the other areas. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool to see that as you grow and you you know you learn in a business sense, you read a business book, you you talk about networking. Well, that also helps you, you know, form friendships and grow in your personal relationships and identify your strengths and weaknesses on a personal side. Um, you know, your relationship with your partner, business partners, in a lot of ways, is similar to your relationship with your spouse. And uh, it's been interesting. And that wasn't something I expected. And it's been nice to see that those complement each other.
1: Mm. That's yeah, very well said. Well said. Love it. Look. Which
3: is nice.
2: Uh, I like that. Love it.
1: Alex, Caleb, you got something?
2: No, go ahead um, by all means, please.
1: Alex, what what if you had one tip to tell our followers? Um, what would it be?
3: One tip? Uh, I feel like I don't. One thing I would say that comes to mind, I guess, is identify something where you can live with the worst case scenario and and just do it. You know that at the end of the day, that's how we bought our first house. Is we We identified what the worst case scenario was. We could live with it. So we just did it. And it's kind of naturally grown into
2: something beautiful. So, I'm obsessed with that statement. It reminds me of uh, the book Coop and I read, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. I don't know if you've read that, Alex, the founder of Nike. I mean, talk about, you mentioned it earlier even, a business with flaw (laughs) upon flaw that (laughs) Was not supposed to is not is not supposed to be here right now and I mean I think last I saw their shares are trading at one hundred and fifteen a share and there's probably billions of shares right um, but Nike's slogan of just do it I mean you could not think of a more applicable yeah. motivational short and sweet like just do it right so I, I love that you said that
3: yeah i it's made out to be the scary thing and I don't know. It, Starting a business, it just isn't,
2: in my experience. You you mentioned earlier, Alex, like um when you bought that first house, uh, like you know we we knew that like hey, we you know worst case scenario we're gonna lose five ten grand, right? And speaking of real estate specifically, I mean I know so many people that with twenty twenty and technology, you know, love to uh, mess around in the stock market, and will actively you know, lose, you know, 500 to a thousand to 2000 know, on these trades. Mm-hmm. But if I were to present them like, Hey, this is a really good real estate deal. They'd be like, Oh, you know, that's, that's, that's too much risk. You know? So it's, it's funny how real estate, uh, is a unaccept- is, is a non-accepted risk. Whereas other areas in life are, you know what I mean? I do. And I find
3: that interesting in the sense that I would argue that in real estate, you kind of control your own destiny. Uh, right. Like you have control over that investment. You can work as hard as little as you want and your performance can reflect that, you know, stock market, you're kind of throwing it in the hands of who's ever managing that particular company.
2: Hopefully Musk doesn't tweet something <laughs> this month because I got a lot riding on Tesla
1: right now.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, and I, I also think just too, like, it just, it just depends on what you're, what you're comfortable with. Also, you know, you know how one person might look, at stocks is different than how someone else might look at real estate. You know, like I'm, I'm, I don't know any, like one thing about stock, like I'm just, you know, it's my pro, my business project. And then like real estate, like those are two things. If you try to tell me to look at a stock, I don't, I just don't, don't do it. You know, and then you got the people that are vice versa, you know? So I just, it just depends on, you know, you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot of real estate, but you know, I feel like the, the risk is in the investor, not necessarily the asset or whatever it is that you're trying to do, you know? So, you know, whatever you want to do, just educate yourself, you know, and take, take just. There's a, there's so many different yeah, niches,
2: so many. Yeah. You Remember when we had oh, yeah. Yaroslav yep, on the yep. podcast? I mean, and, and that took you and me both, uh, Alex, we interviewed a guy who, uh, he basically sells software as a service. So he's constantly looking for opportunities where, like, let me create this software and make money off of it. It's similar to an Airbnb type of, you know, sexy niche. And there's millions of them out there growing exponentially just because of technology. Yeah. Highly scalable. Highly. Yeah.
3: Highly. You know, one other thing, too, that came to mind while you guys were talking, too, is also the question of can you afford not to take the risk?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes.
3: And, you you know, what's the worst case, what's the best case scenario, but also what happens if you don't do it? And for me, you know, the risk of not taking that real estate jump or not starting an architecture firm or not starting a consulting firm, the the quote unquote risk of not doing that. Well, that was, that was me I was risking the next 20, 10, 20, 30, 40 years working for someone else. And that was a risk I was not willing to take. To me, that was more risky than, than anything else. So it's the same thing. You know that that sounds
1: like the the book we uh everything is figure outable, Caleb. I don't know if you remember. Um yeah. so in in the in this book, Alex, I think it was chapter 6 or 7. Anyways, they she was talking about fear. Um and one of the tips that she gave was to write down like what is the worst-case scenario? And then like, yeah. okay, now you have that. Now what else could go back? Like what's the worst? And then like put a plan together if it does happen, how you would dig yourself out of it, and then, like in the same breath, she says, "Then start thinking of okay, what if this what if this does work like how much could it be worth, or like who would be affected um so i just I just love, and you said it, you know, when you bought the first house, like you looked at the risk, you know, and you and you, you had you had a plan, you know, and I feel like a lot of people the the reason things are so scary is because they don't do that analysis like okay what's the worst case scenario how do we get out of it you know and i feel like if more people did that they would be more prone to take uh more risk or or calculated risk as as you said so no i love that love it agreed and as as to me usually as
3: uh, the probability of success of the best case scenario is relatively equal to the probability of the worst case scenario and more than likely you land somewhere in the middle so you got to equally weigh the best case as the worst case but at the end of the day, what concerns you and what keeps you now up at night is that worst case scenario, and how you get right. over that is, for us, you know, was what I talked about earlier. But also just, well, the alternative is it's a five to ten thousand dollar loss per partner on that first house. Okay, well, that's our investment, that's our tuition bill, as you said, Caleb, and we're willing to take that risk because alternatively, we're going to be stuck working for a job for someone else for twenty, thirty years, and we'd rather take this risk and lose this money and try that.
2: Yep what's 28 years for your employer? You know, yeah. why not? Let's try this for two. If it doesn't work, we got, we can, let's, go, let's go spend 28. <laughs> yeah. uh, Alex, we, Cooper and I have been talking about books. Uh, we always like to ask our, our guests, you know, you don't have to recommend your favorite book, your least favorite, like maybe something you're reading now, but what's a book that you'd recommend?
3: Uh, two favorite authors and everything by them has been tremendous. is uh Malcolm Gladwell and Jim Collins.
0: Mm.
2: So uh,
3: Jim
0: Collins, is Jim Collins is, good to great. Yeah,
2: yep. Bu- yep, built the last. Yep. Man, Alex, I hated that book.
3: Ah, the concept of comparing a company to the average is interesting. The concept of comparing the best company to the second best company—that's really interesting.
2: Me knowing your personality, <laughs> I'm just gonna say I didn't want to say it, but he's, <laughs> I can see how you could never put that book down. And I'm sure you, knowing my personality could see me being like man when's this book gonna get interesting like <laughs> that that was a that was a beautiful book i love that <laughs> so my one of my one of my business partners his name is steve he loved that book alex and he told me to read it and i would like it took me so like it like i literally had to like okay i'm gonna read for 30 minutes and like I, it just was not my coop knows the books i like too like i i, I like I think you called them soft skills Alex like that's where I excel yeah. right and and that book good to great so many people recommend it so I'm not going to you know talk yeah, so much think, about I it Yeah I think I think I
1: think someone else recommended it to you and you shot it you sh- Yeah, yeah, yeah som- some somebody did did did. for the next monthly and then it just <laughs> no that's I don't want to do that coop I was, All right cool got it Don't put me through I'm that sorry. twice
2: coop
3: Have you guys read any Malcolm Gladwell
2: Uh what's he write
3: Oh, he's got like David versus Goliath. Um, he takes, he's got several books, but he takes these really abstract and difficult things to grasp. For example, like, would you rather be a big fish in a little pond or a little fish in a big pond? He takes mm-hmm. something like that and the way he presents it and the things he takes from history, it, it's just phenomenal. And it, he is something that you could sit down and you can read the book cover to cover. And it's it's not only educational, but it's entertaining. I love those types of books, Alex. Go on my list. Phenomenal author. It's just, he has a skill.
2: Love it. That's awesome.
1: Alex, where, uh, you said you had some questions for us. Do we, do we, Did we pass? I, I got a couple actually just
3: kind of thinking through here that I, I feel like I didn't answer well, but, um, first off was that, how do you identify a partner? Um, I felt like I didn't do a very good job answering that question. What, What do you guys do? Like, how would how did you guys find your
0: partners,
3: (laughs) and what would you recommend?
1: Like, uh. so um, for me, uh, I met this character Caleb. Um, (laughs) Well, so so for me, um, you know, like I talked about my my personality coach and um, just being aware of uh, your weaknesses and not so much working on your weaknesses, but you know. Trying to think of people who help complement your weaknesses. Um is is one thing that I try to look for um in a partnership. And then someone who uh pushes me, I I would say. Um, you know, perfect examples is like Caleb. Um, you know, I we went down in the to the cities, me and the wife, uh February of this year. I was telling her, I was like, we should probably like go out and like if we go out, like have a couple come with, or like talk to some people, like just you know, just being more friendly. And so, like yeah, Caleb's in time. I haven't talked to Caleb in a while, so we started talking. Um, and it was I don't know. It was like a I don't know how you feel about it, Caleb, but I feel like it was like a marriage. <laughs> so after after we 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 talked, um, you know, we just started talk like texting afterwards, like bouncing ideas off, and. I would throw a, an idea out. Like I'm like big picture thinker and like Caleb would like, okay, we got to like put a date on it. Like what, like, what's it gonna, you know, like this podcast, like I kind of said it to him and he wouldn't let it go. And I was like, all right, I guess we're going to do it. So I would say someone that, that pushes you and that, you know, I also feel like someone that you can also have disagreements with and still be good. Like, I'm not scared to run, run something mm-hmm. by Caleb. If I know it's going to, Knowing what he's going to say, like we still can talk through that and like have those awkward conversations and still be like, you know, Caleb's really good at handling those awkward situations. Like, I'm more so thinking, like, how's he going to think about it? What's he going to say? And he'll just like A, B, C, and that's it. <laughs> sure.
2: I guess I would just piggyback off you both. Um, you, you know, you just, you just people you run into, right? It's good to. I think you said it Alex it's good to have similar values but different skills. That's a that's a good way to yeah. put it. Yeah. That that's that's really important. And then um I enjoy people that make me uncomfortable. <laughs> in, in in the state that like, yo, Alex is running performers right now and it's my job to find him more deals or to find him money or right or like Coop's working really hard on this. What am I doing? Right. So I, I enjoy the accountability side of a partnership. And usually that only comes from people who have big goals and are striving to, you know, do X. So I would say if you're looking for a partner to align yourself with people who have similar end goals as you. So you want, you want to be a billionaire, hang out with people who want to be billionaires. You want to be a millionaire, hang out with people who want to be millionaires. You want to be, someone who donates a hundred grand per year, hang out with other people who want to donate a hundred grand a year. Um, That's, that's my long answer to your, to your quick question. Makes sense. How about a follow-up on that? Is there a particular number
3: that you would recommend for a partnership? Like is two people good? Is 10 people good?
1: I I would, I would say it, it just depends on what it is you're trying to do. And it it depends on you know what value or or what it what value you're trying to find out of that person yeah. or those people um like the project me and Caleb are working on it's just me and Caleb you know we have a couple of um, people that are helping or assisting um but as far as the main thing is just me and Caleb um you know we've talked about other people in the future if if they're gonna start a business or something to look to me me or Caleb or you know how we can help. But I mean I, I would just say it just depends on what you're lo- what you're looking for. Um you know I know Yeah no no right or yeah. wrong answer,
2: right? But definitely Alex you'll appreciate this. You know you have a pizza there's X amount of slices of a pie, right? And so as as long as everybody's eating out of that pie and being satiated, that's good. But the problems are when you have you're still hungry or people are eating way too much. You know, that, that's the, in my mind, the partnership deal, you'd have to find that right mix, whether it's two people splitting a pizza or 10.
3: And I think, I think their values really come into that for us. It, like, for example, the reason I asked too is with the threshold, we got to a point where we were getting concerned with two people in equal ownership or you're at 50, 50. So one thought of this was as we continue to grow, Sure, we share some more values, but they're similar. There's going to be some differences. Is, you know, we're at a fifty-fifty tie. So, what happens if right. the decision that we can't come to an agreement on? What are we going to do? Part yep. of you know long-term thinking. We're like, well, is there a third guy that we want to bring in? Mm, yeah, and sure. that's kind of where three people are—not necessarily three, but an odd number.
2: The Supreme Court uh, <laughs> theology of it, yeah. right? There's, yeah, no, that's that's not. That's not a bad, that's not a bad reason. That's, I mean, that's something we haven't talked about, but when it comes to partnerships, um, there's always a prenup in an LLC, but there isn't always uh in a marriage. Right. So that's the analogy I like to use sometimes. Yeah. It, it doesn't, I guess, need to be even be an odd number of
3: people. It just needs to be different than 50, 50 ownership, but.
2: Yep, exactly. So yep so there's got to be some majority somewhere
3: well i had uh, one other i had one other follow up question too was uh how do you guys make like what is your process for making a difficult decision like what do you guys do to solve the problem
1: so um man, I didn't expect all these questions but <laughs> oh so it's good I love it i love it um so for me and caleb um you know what we're what we're working on i'm you know, before we set our structure up um, we had the conversation, like we talked, you know, you know, it it was a lot of different things. Like what are we bringing to the table? Who's doing the light work? Like how much money are we investing? Um, So basically we came up to um, where I, I would be the the majority owner basically, but in the same breath though, Like I bounce so many ideas off Caleb that I think I probably annoy him (laughs) because I, I know at the end of the day, my, like, if I'm successful, Caleb's going to be successful. If Caleb is successful, I'm going to be successful. So I'm the one that makes the final decision in, in this particular project, but I'm also aware and it, and it goes back to my personality coaching, like knowing my personality and knowing where I need help in certain places. I know I need to make sure Caleb, you know, I take what Caleb says with a lot of weight, no matter what his percentage is in the company. Um, I tell him that all the time. Like he will we'll have a decision and Caleb will say like, well, I'm not the boss. <laughs> and, uh,
2: and I'll, uh, I, I, and, I love doing that to people. Alex. And I'll,
1: <laughs> I'll tell him, I'll say, well, you need to make sure I don't walk off the cliff either. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, so like, it and, it it all depends, you know, you know, when you vet your partner, like, you know, I know before me and Caleb got into a partnership, you know, I feel like we have vetted each other pretty good. And we, you know, we started the podcast, we did a whole bunch of things. Um, so again, like, are you able to have those awkward conversations, um, with your partner? Cause you know, those awkward stations will come up. And I feel like, like Caleb's always the one that brings me back down. Like, Oh, you you got turned down by the bank again? Like I get turned by the bank all the time. <laughs> yeah, so so that. like it yeah. just it it just depends um how you set your structure up. Like you know, I know when we set it up, we had talked about it, you know, and like so if you do need to bring a third person in, make sure that's on the table right away. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I answered the question or not, but that's what we did. Sure.
3: No, that, that's that's great insight. How about Caleb? How do you make a how do you make a hard decision? Like,
2: what, what's your? I usually I call as many people as I can who I think will have a relative input and just talk it talk it out. That's kind of my. Let me let me go through the phone book. Let me get the Rolodex out. Um, but but generally, I I've already I already know what the right decision is, ninety percent, right? But I just need a go through the process and make sure my gut is the right decision so what are you looking for when you call them? Uh, you know if if let's say it's a real estate related question I'm calling someone more successful than me if it's commercial if it's all these, all these different categories right I'm calling people who are further along than I am but I also need to trust them right need to have a relationship with them um, looking at Storage units. I call this guy I know who has two thousand storage units. You know what I mean. Um, Looking at purchasing a liquor store, I call this guy I know who has four liquor stores in St. Paul. Right. So things like that. That that's kind of why reinvent the wheel. I'm definitely not the smartest in the room, but I know someone who is. That's kind (laughs) of always been my always been my mo. No, that's that's a very similar thought process to what I do too, and I
3: piss my mom off a lot. Because I, uh, <laughs> I'd talk to her, ask her her opinion on something, say thank you. It was a great conversation. And then I'd go do the other, you know, the <laughs> Love, it. Love it. And I told her it's a compliment. I'm not looking for your recommendation. I'm looking for your thought process on why you came up to that. And if I thought of the same things that you thought of for pros and cons, well, I'm gonna do what I thought was best. Then. I'm, you know, I'm looking for the, their thinking behind it to see did I miss a premise. That I'm basing yep. this decision
2: on. It sounds like you guys do a similar route. Yeah, yeah. There, there is always someone smarter than me. Yeah. So I, I will leverage that for sure. Definitely. Anything else, Alex? No. No, that was
3: mine. That
1: was that was kind of fun, Killer. We should do that. I'm not in charge. Poop.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex, you know, a big thing we like to do a lot of times is, you know, help other people build relationships. If anybody's listening to this episode, um, what's, what's one way that they could hit you up, um, and, and make a connection with you.
3: Sure. Um, I guess I, I'm not one for, for fancy overcomplicated stuff. And that includes a website and stuff at this stage in my career. Um, the only thing I got is my email, I guess. And if you, if anyone needed help with, you know performer consulting i just want to talk uh my emails uh, would be j a my last name zickman at hotmail.com
2: awesome love it j a zickman at hotmail.com alex wonderful wonderful chatting with you thank you very much for your time i know you value your time Uh, we appreciate you having uh, we appreciate you making the time for us thank you and thanks for answering my questions I learned a few things this hour as well
1: yeah thanks Alex appreciate it Cool. what take us out (laughs) we don't Alex we don't really take anybody out we just kind of say bye
2: see ya dude (laughs) All right. (laughs) see
1: ya Alex bye
2: thank you bye Why
1: you gotta be so awkward, man? I, I'm chill, man. Man, that was jam packed, dude. Alex is a very smart that was individual. I, I, he's I, very, another he's great very smart episode, guy. Caleb.
2: Another great, <laughs> another great episode. Um, yeah, that was a, uh,
1: that was a great episode. What?
2: Man. There's there's lots to talk about.
1: Um, I just love the risk taking calculated risk and the fear aspect. Um, I loved how he said he was terrified on his first uh, um, rental that they bought or the first house that they bought. But, you know, what What are you doing to um, minimize or uh, calm that risk or that fear? And he, he said they they had a plan right? They said, okay, this is our worst case scenario. Okay, what, what happens if we can't get it rented? Okay, we'll just, we'll sell it in six months, break even or lose five to ten grand. Um, you know, the co- cost of tuition basically. And, if, and if, if, if you can analyze your fear, like really get down and, okay, what, what am I scared about? What makes me scared about this investment? Write it down, put a plan together. Um, and then also write the upside. What if this does work? What does this mean? Who can I affect? So yeah, that was that was my. I I just love, You know me. I'm a big you know. So freak. I know I Alex a little it, bit better. You know, and I, when she so said he I was scared,
2: I was shocked because I've seen this dude in action, and he's like the Terminator dude, like <laughs> zero emotions. right, the like do it. Like no fear at all. So that was kind of cool for me to hear. Um, But uh, successful people hang out with other successful people. And I didn't know this about his business, his uh, real estate business, but their goal of um, 50% revenue growth year over year, hearing that, and then the fact that they've been doing it for five or six years running, like, dang, like that, that, that was my favorite part. And there's so many good parts in this episode, but uh, that, that
1: was my favorite. Oh yeah, this is yeah. This definitely was a jam packed episode. I liked it though. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So you're off next week then, right? So I gotta come up with. I'm out, Coop. I gotta get a guest, a guest co-host. I'm out. Man, that's gonna be taking
2: a little, right, taking a little sabbatical. All right, I'm gonna well, get back to my I'll pool th- routine.
1: It's a, it's all. <laughs> Oh, send some send some pics. I can put you on blast, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Okay, I love it. Love it. Love it. it. Tell, tell the wife, I said hi, and vice versa. Um, Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't mess. I wasn't messing with your time. (laughs) I'll see you next. All right, man. man. Well, uh, that's all you got. Bye. See you next week, everybody. Bye.